Hello and welcome to the Creativity Conference official podcast. My name is Aidan Rode. I am the assistant manager at the Creativity Conference and I'm very excited to be hosting this podcast where we will be discussing all aspects of creativity with some world-class creative minds who we are lucky enough to be joined as speakers for the Creativity Conference. Today I'm joined by storyboard artist, best-selling author, animator and above all storyteller Mark Simon. Mark, how are you doing? How's life? I'm doing great, Aiden. I appreciate your having me on. The conference was great. I enjoyed being a part of that. Uh, it's kind of weird I'll never being able to see people in person, but you know, hopefully we'll all be able to get back together in person and and get that energy. You know, of, there's nothing like being creative and talking to other creatives in person. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes, you delivered a fantastic uh, talk for us back in August 2021 at the online iteration of the Creativity Conference, which was a fantastic session. Uh, I'm very glad to have been able to to witness it from behind the scenes. Um, did you um, did you join any other sessions during the conference? Did you? How was your experience of the conference as a whole? I wanted to, but I wasn't able to. I'm I, I'm so busy in production and film and TV. I'm usually doing four or five productions all at once. I have other people that work for me. Um, that I work seven days a week. So, uh, you know, I scheduled that time because I wanted to be a part of it and, and offer out what I could. But unfortunately, I have zero extra time. So I was not able to uh, join in. And, but looking at the list, I there were some I really wanted to listen to. It looked really fantastic. Yeah, we had a, an incredible lineup. And um, certainly as someone behind the scenes, being able to sort of dip in here and there and just go from, you know, Steve Whitmire, who's literally Kermit the Frog, to some incredible um, martial artist in another room and then a, a world-class photographer in another room it was just, it was such an explosion of creativity from all facets. So it was, yeah, yeah, those it are, was a wonderful yeah. time. And those are all things I'm really interested in too. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm a, a national champion in Taekwondo and, uh, you know, and, and I'm, uh, I've got photography books out. So, I mean, all of those are things that I'm all into as well. So, uh, you know, maybe next time if I have a couple extra days uh, or just a couple even extra hours, and I'd love to participate more. Yeah, and and speaking of your your martial artist, and you also said that you um, were a, a skateboard national champion as a kid. Um, yeah, how... I had a line of skateboards with Schwinn when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So how how does your current work life and your current sort of creative flow have have you taken any uh, any concepts and methods from your skateboarding and martial artist uh, background and implemented that into your current day-to-day -day life? Well, it's part of being creative. I mean, my whole life has been being a creative. And, and one of the things when I was competing in skateboarding was I, w I wanted to tell a story. I was, I was a freestylist. Uh, so it was, it was kind of like gymnastics on a skateboard. And one of the things I did that was different that that helped me win virtually every competition I was ever in um, uh, was I kind of told a story or I had a plan and a path. I mean, uh, one of the things my dad always said, say, you know, look at them. They, they actually practiced step one to step two to step three and everything flowed from one to the next. It, uh, it was it built upon it. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. It's kind of like telling a story. And so that's what I did. And so I built a routine not just here's a trick and here's a trick and here's a trick. It was, it was a full routine and, and it worked. And then when I started competing in martial arts, 
know, I, I, I suck at fighting. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> that was not what I was, I was good at, but I was really good at telling a story in martial arts. So I competed in forms, you know, you see people doing Tai Chi and stuff like that. Well, in forms, it's, it's, it's an invisible fight. It's you, you practice every move as if you're fighting an opponent. So I thought, well, why don't I actually fight an, invis an invisible opponent and tell that story rather than just, here's a move, stop, here's a move, stop. I wanted to actually fight someone so it was entertaining to watch. So when I got out there and was competing, I didn't just go through the moves to show, oh, look how pretty I can do this. I was fully into it. And I told the story of, well, here's this fight. And I'm going to go through every step exactly as that form is performed. But I'm going to do it as if there really is a person in front of me. I'm sweating. I'm yelling. I'm growling. But doing the perfect form at the same time. So the energy I projected and the story I told made mine more entertaining. So I kept winning because I was telling a story that people wanted to watch. Even if my form wasn't as good, people preferred watching me. And that's how I would win. And it got to the point where when I would show up a comp at a competition, and I was with the old farts at that point, because my kids were in it when they were young. And so it was a father-son thing that we were doing together. You know, it, back when I was in my mid to late 40s is when I was competing. You know, I would be in the senior or senior two division. And the guys would say, oh, you're back. So what division are you in? Oh, I'm in senior two this year. And they were like, oh, God, we're going for silver. It literally got to that point where they just knew I was going to win it because I brought more energy than anyone else. Wow. So what does story uh, or possibly in a greater sense creativity mean to you in overall in your sort of all the iterations of stuff that you do? Well, creativity to me is story. And, you know, as being a storyboard artist, that's obviously a big thing. I don't want to just sit and do a drawing. I want it to mean something. So everything I do, virtually everything in my life has to do with that in telling the story. So like if you look at my background here, you know, I'm in my studio here in Atlanta. So what's the story behind me? That everything is creative around me. You know, it's, it's not just a flat white wall. I designed this studio specifically so it would look really cool in backgrounds and tell you something about me. If you're going to hire me to be creative for you and you see this background, you know I'm going to be creative because literally every aspect of my life is creative. When, uh, when I first started writing books, my, uh, one, of, one of my first big sellers was my storyboard book. And my publisher came to me and said, we want you to write a book about animation. And I said, no, uh, there's a lot of really great books out there. I have nothing to add. You know, yeah, I know how to animate, but there's a lot of people much better than me at that. And they, would, they came back a month or two later and said, you know, we really want you to write a book on animation. I said, but I don't know what to do different. Everything is out there. And they kept coming back to me. And I, I, I said, all right, if I can come up with something that's different, an approach that hasn't been done before, I'll do it. But I'm not just going to rehash all this fantastic stuff that I grew up reading. And so I, I went through all my animation books. And, you know, there's Disney Illusion of Life. And there's Tony White's book. I mean, there's a lot of really great books out there. But I realized that all of them approached 
an element of animation, not the process, or as I came to talk about it, the story of producing an animation. No one had written a book that discusses everything from concept all the way through what the hell do you do with this thing after you're done with it in order. Even if they had all the elements of it, no one did it literally in the order of it. And that was frustrating for me as an animator. It's like, but I just show me where to start. And then what do I do next? That did not exist before my book. So when I realized, oh, I can tell the story of producing an animation. So now I have a framework that's new and something that I felt was missing in the industry. So then I called my publisher and I pitched them. This is what I want to do. I have this series of award-winning animated shorts, Timmy's Lessons in Nature, that I did with this other amazing animator, Travis Blaze. I want to tell the story of producing one of these. And what I'll do is I'll add a new scene to one of our award-winning shorts, and I'll add that and have that be an extra in the book. So, you know, I'm adding something beyond what people had seen. And all the way through pitching it and selling it and, and entering into festivals and winning, literally from concept to, uh, to design, to storyboarding, rough animation, cleanup, all the way through, I showed every aspect of it. So you can go through and you can learn yourself exactly how to produce animation. And then that became a really big seller around the world because I had come up with a new way of describing animation. But again, it was the story. That's what was missing in others. And that's until I came up with, oh, I'll tell the story. Then it made sense to me. So I always try to find what the story is. Like I also wrote a book with my wife and, and one of my best friends, Jim Irvine, a book about resumes. And resumes are boring, right? No one wants to write a resume, but we all have to write a resume. But one of the books that I really enjoyed reading and my wife really enjoyed was called The One Minute Manager. It's a really short book. And it's you follow along with a guy as he's being mentored by different uh, different people on how to manage a business. So I thought, well, let's do that. Let's have a young man about to start his career being mentored by friends of his father. And each mentor helps him with a different portion of his resume. So you can learn how to make a good resume, but you're going to enjoy reading it rather than all this just this dry text. And then we called it Your Resume Sucks, which grabbed a lot of people's attention because it was you know, a little edgy there. And, and that became a big seller. So that's used in universities around the world now because we did it as a story. So I always look for the story. I'm a storyteller first, but I love to draw. So, you know, I always try to put together, like when I first started in Hollywood, I was an art director and production designer on movies and commercials, but I wasn't drawing as much. And where I, I was telling a visual story of what's behind the characters, I wanted to be drawing more. So that's when I switched my career over into storyboarding. So now I get to tell stories. I help rewrite scripts. You know, I, I illustrate what's going on and work on all these great productions. It, that's heaven for me. Hmm. It it goes without saying that the uh, the movie industry is centered in Los Angeles, Hollywood. You say that you've worked in Hollywood. You're mm -hmm. currently based in Atlanta, mm -hmm. uh, and you have been known to sort of poke fun at Hollywood in certain animations <laughs> of yours in the past. Uh -huh. uh, what is it about Atlanta that makes you uh, live there now? What is is the film industry there? 
uh, have something that perhaps LA doesn't? Or how do you find the, the difference? It's affordable, for one thing. Uh, LA is incredibly expensive. Um, to live in a really nice place can cost you millions. Uh, the, ho I, the house I'm in now, I couldn't afford out in LA. Um, so I like that. And there's less smog and less traffic here. And there's actually more production in Atlanta than LA now. So, so I, I get the best of every world. I get great weather. I still get mountains. I can afford a really fantastic place to live. I don't have to deal with uh, horrendous traffic every day. Yet I get to work on some of the biggest shows and movies that, that you'll see. So, yeah, my life is pretty great right now. That is That sounds fantastic. And one of those projects, as I'm sure you mentioned uh, in your talk, is The Walking Dead, which uh, is, sounds like a, an incredible project to work on. Uh, and you've worked on a lot of projects in the past. 5,000, I think, is, is the ballpark quote that, you, uh, that you've put out there. Yeah, it's any... actually closer to 6,000 now, and I work on all of the Walking Dead shows. I just got hired on to the new fourth one called Tales of the Walking Dead. So, you know, so I'm, I'm through the entire universe, yeah. Wow. Are there any particular projects that you've worked on in the past that are sort of lesser known about or unappreciated that you potentially have a, more of a soft spot for and that wish that more people knew about? It, it, you know, boy, you're going to really make me think back on, on my history. You know, one of the things I had the most fun with was actually my first movie. And, and the reason it was most fun is because I was so new and I got to try so many different things. We had no budget whatsoever. So it was it was a huge amount of creativity just to make it work. It was a movie called Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity. I mean, it's, it's a terrible movie, but there are so many great effects and things that we did. And, you know, being this kid fresh out of film school and, and within two weeks of working on it, I was made one of the art directors on the movie. I was designing the special effects. I was building foreground miniatures and figuring out how to do the, uh, you know, in-camera beam splitters and, you know, things that I had learned by reading all these great magazines like Cinefix. And now I can actually try it and and try things just to see if it would work because we had no budget to hire people to do things the right way like how can we make this work i had a blast i got paid virtually nothing on that and like i said it's a terrible movie but i've got great memories of it because it was freedom and my launch into the industry and and it worked i mean i just i i've worked steadily ever since that you know the people i met there and in that credit just carried me on and you know 35 years I've been steadily working. What was it about the film industry that attracted you and made it make you want to study it at film school and then pursue it as a career? Because obviously you were this skateboarding kid with your line of skateboards. <laughs> what what inspired that shift? Was there a certain thing that you watched or well, Star Wars? Um, you know, I was, you know, I was born in 64. So when Star Wars came out, I was 13. I was literally the perfect age. And yeah. And I was a huge fan of science fiction, and but there weren't many good movies, and really weren't any. I mean, there was, um, you know, a couple things or moments that were great, but even cheeseball stuff I really liked, and and I loved animation. You know, I read all the Disney books, but it wasn't until I was sitting in the front row because it was the only seat left, and and I was laying back looking up at this giant screen, and that huge ship comes slowly over. And I felt so enveloped and it was like, 
oh, I have to be a part of this. I mean, it was just literally that drew me in. And, and that's what I wanted to do. From that moment of the first shot in Star Wars, it's like, this is, this is where I'm going to go. And, and, uh, and it's not like I had a path at that point. I didn't know how to get there. I was raised in Houston. Uh, and I was building homes for my, uh, for my dad's company. Uh, he was a general contractor. We, we built custom homes. So I ended up running his crew. So I knew how to design and, and build things. And uh, I got involved in theater in high school uh, because I was bullied. And, and I ended up failing a class when my family was attacked by my bullies. It's a whole thing. It's like my whole uh, 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 memoir I wrote called Attacked details it. Gave me an extra class because I failed one of my advanced math classes. So I hung out in the theater department to help them out because I knew how to design and build. And that led to my doing a summer stock at, at, a, at a university. The university gave me a scholarship to study theater there. So I went, even though I never took a theater course, I went straight into film. So they finally stopped giving me money. And, uh, and I thought that was great. I was having a great time with it. And when I graduated, I thought, hey, Hollywood sounds cool. And, I, and that was it. I just, I, uh, I, I owned a home at the time. Uh, so I sold my house and packed everything up and just moved to LA. It just blind. I'd never been there. I didn't know anybody. I just moved and uh, just found my way through it uh, luckily rather quickly uh, so it's if i have an idea I, I jump on it and see if it works if i don't like it i try something else i'm, I'm not afraid to try and i'm not a, afraid to fail which is how you succeed yeah and speaking of a, a, a wow moment like that star wars shot <laughs> what was a a real standout moment for you whilst working for Spielberg? Yeah, that was uh, when I worked with Spielberg was on uh, Sequest. It was kind of like Star Trek underwater. We shot that in yeah. the early mid nineties. Uh, the, the standout moment for me, I mean, well, there were a couple. The first was when I was doing all the concept art before the directors came in and, and were designing everything. The production designer asked me to do a bunch of concept artwork. And I designed a couple things. And I said, all right, we'll send this to Steven for his approval. And I'm like, I'm sending my artwork to Steven Spielberg. I'm sending my artwork to Steven Spielberg. He's like, you know, because like most people, I'm a gigantic fan of his. So that was, you know, that's when your heart jumps up into your throat. And you're like, ah, I can't believe I'm doing this. And then seeing his signature come back, you know, approved. It's like, all right, I've made it. You know, this is, this is incredible. That was one. But the thing that, that, really stood out for me was in, in every episode yet on an hour long show like that, we always have different directors. Spielberg was the producer. He didn't direct any of them of the season I was on. And so I, I forget which director it was, but I had, I had broken down this one sequence of this robot fight and I went out on location to help with the, with the shoot. And the, the director, we had two camera crews with us and, and we were running short on time. And the director said, look, you broke down this sequence. You know it better than I do. Why don't you take the crew and you go direct that? Like, really? I get to do second unit direction on a Spielberg production? It's like, I, I didn't even question him. It's like, done. And I just ran off and directed it. So, you know, so I got my start directing, you know, do a second unit direction on a Spielberg series. That I will never forget. That was really exciting. And, and then seeing it actually show up on the screen, it was like, all right, yeah, this is really cool. Yeah. 
that's that's very cool did you get to sort of chat with spielberg himself at all or was he sort of not real i mean you know, I, I wish because he was based in la and we were shooting in orlando and right. so you know there were it was mostly email and in fact we, there wasn't really even much email back in the early 90s it was you know sending things one way or another um so no i didn't get a chance to and i, I wish i would have had. he very seldom came to the set in fact that one time he did come to the set during the second season i was actually out on location so i wasn't even there in the office ah that's a shame yeah that, that is a shame but yeah i still know i was working for him so i'm happy yeah and uh on the topic of sending things doing things remotely lockdown impacted us all differently um yeah. did you find that obviously your workflow will have been impacted in some ways by lockdown did you find um, that your creative workflows changed for the better, for the worse? Did you encounter creative block more often or were you sort of unaffected? Well, luckily, uh, I was one of the pioneers in storyboarding uh, uh, virtually. So, you know, I was actually the one showing other people how to do it. And I already had the setup, you know, at that point when the lockdown had happened, I had already been doing virtual storyboarding for over 10 years. So I had that down to science. And so, so how I worked wasn't affected. What the lockdown did is it made more productions realize, oh, wait a minute, we're okay with working this way. So it was really how others, you know, people who were shooting in other locations looked at, oh, Mark can do this. All right, yeah, we'll go ahead and give it, give it a shot. The, the biggest issue I had is, there weren't opportunities for that. When the lockdown happened, all live action stopped. It was March 16th. It was Friday, March 16th. I was in the middle of storyboarding on episode five of Stranger Things when I got the call, stop working. I was like, but I can work from home. They went, nope, we're shutting down completely. Stop working. And I was like, I'm on Stranger Things. I want to keep working. This is fun. Um, Luckily, I had some animation projects going on. Animation didn't stop, but live action ceased for about five months. So my workload dropped to a fraction of what it had been. So I ended up having a lot of extra time. I mean, I was still working, but I had a lot of extra time considering the hours I normally work. So I finished two of my books, my memoir, Attacked, and another one called uh, Start at the Top. Uh, it's a business inspirational book that I wrote. So I was able to, you know, use my time and complete those books and get those out on the market. Both of them are out now. Uh, so I made use of that. But boy, when when the lockdown opened up again, all those productions that were supposed to have been shooting at various times during COVID all started up at the same time. So the overlap of productions I've had for the last year has been unbelievable it's the busiest i have ever been trying to keep up with all this this backlog that all jumped at the same time wow well uh on that note i won't keep you any longer <laughs> uh, you're a very busy guy and i and thank you very much for your time today mark and uh thank you for listening slash watching uh, to all of you out there for doing that make sure to tune in for the next podcast um, with another fantastic speaker and of course check out marksimonbooks.com and uh, all of Mark's incredible work thank you once again for for joining me Mark 
And uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. I look forward to it. And thank you so much for having me on. And great job with that conference. Thank you.